Hello and welcome to Real Bible Stories. Join us as we deep dive into the historic, religious, cultural, political, and emotional context surrounding the real lives of real people in the Bible and the stories we've all grown to love. Hello and welcome to Real Bible Stories. I'm your host, Imran Ward, and we are joined by my wife, Selena. Hello. And our teacher, Pastor Ryan Brown. Hello, everyone. So, uh... We spent the last like 40 minutes already catching up, so we don't have any like pickup things to talk about here necessarily. (laughs) But in that 40 minutes, I know Ryan told me what we were going to talk about, but I actually definitely didn't like ask again. So So what are we going to hit this week, Ryan? So we're going to talk about um, the calling of Jesus's disciples in a broader sense, Um, really kind of anchored more on um, when Jesus calls Peter and Andrew, James, and John. And we'll have Selena read it here in a second, but... It's like what it means to be called is what we're focusing yes. on? Yes. So on, on the forefront, right, when when Jesus comes to his disciples and so, and he says, you know, come and follow me, mm-hmm. uh, right? Okay. It, it's a, we we on, on, on the front, like, we obviously know what that means. Like, okay, and, and we take that a certain way, like, okay, we need to go and follow Jesus. Um, and I... And, in the general sense, that is correct, right? Like, so don't think that if you read it that way, you know, previously that you've, you know, completely been off base on that. But there's a lot more loaded to that and statement in there. that we miss. And there's a lot of beauty that kind of underlays um, that one statement alone. And um, it's going to, we're, we're going to dive like historically within the context of what is it like for a Jewish boy growing up in Israel and, and what hmm. for a Jewish boy, what is the supreme ideal? Like, you know, I hmm. asked my, you know, you always ask your children, especially when they're little, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Right. And, and, and it's really interesting. Boys are always the, kind of the same. I want to be a police officer. I want to be a firefighter. I want to be an astronaut. Like, I think I wanted to be a pilot. No, I, not, I think I know. I, I, I actually dressed up as a pilot, got a whole uniform. So an astronaut, and, right. And it's yeah. Same kind of idea. Like you kind of get the <laughs> same sense, right? Yeah. My daughter, you know, she, she was more, I want to be a teacher. I want to be a nurse, right? What do you um, want to be, Selena, when you grow up? <laughs> I don't know. I usually say I want to be you when I grow up. You want to <laughs> be what? I want to be you. You like, want to be me? <laughs> when you people ask you what you want to be no, when you grow up? I, I, I just comment. I just realized I comment. I was like, man, I want to be you when I grow up. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> what am I? What does that mean? I just want to be me when I grow up. How, what, who else can I either be? you know, other than me, you know, oh, okay. no, um, all right, Selena, but I, I appreciate that. I guess that that was, I think a compliment. I think it was, a, uh, if it wasn't, I, we're just going to move on because we can't have, uh, <laughs> um, marital counseling. Oh, we can always but, pause. No, yeah. <laughs> but no, so and now we're back. <laughs> but, but the point is, is like, you know, you ask, you know, little boys now kind of like, what's their ideal, right? What's the ideal of what you would want to be when you grow up? And Jewish boys were no different, right? Oh my uh, gosh. I thought you were going to say like kids today, say something different than that? No, no, no. I'm talking about Jewish boys in the first century. Oh, okay. There's no different. Um, they, they had that ideal of what they wanted to be, but it, it was different in terms the of ideals. what mm-hmm. they were wanting. So what I want to do first, before we really dive into all of that is just have Selena actually read to begin with. So we have a, a context, of what we're talking about, um, to kind of help set us up here. So before mm-hmm. we jump in, I do want to give like a one sentence, like actual welcome. So <laughs> Happy to be back in this uh, this new episode. If this is your first time here, this is a deep Bible study uh, podcast. So kind of the expectation is you're, you have a basic understanding of the faith, and now you're looking for that deep, nuanced look at the Bible. 
And so that's what we're going to be looking into as we go into this study. Um, sermon notes or um, yeah, notes for the Bible study are on the church website. Um, and all the links that you need to be able to get all that information can be found in the description. So I hope you enjoy this discussion with us as we jump into what it means to be called. Yeah. And because it's a podcast, you can always pause and take notes and re-listen and yeah. rewind. And- Absolutely. And that's one of the great things about it. Yeah. So we're reading from Matthew chapter four, verses 18 to 22. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother, Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. All right, before before we keep going, what where was that did you read from? This is Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 to 22. And today I read from the NIV version. So Matthew, NIV. you said Matthew 4? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. I'm here. Okay. So one of the things about these kind of stories, um, you know, I, I, I've been in ministry for a bit and I've learned a lot. I certainly haven't learned everything, but I've kind of narrowed it down to this. Ready? <laughs> there are two types okay. of people in the world those who like musicals and those who hate them oh my mm. gosh <laughs> and those two people generally marry each other oh my gosh it's okay. true i wasn't ready for that okay so <laughs> you can learn so much about somebody by asking that asking them that question do you do you like musicals because i do and selena does not right no. so <laughs> what's funny about it is that like you find like people who like musicals it's like they almost it's just like a microcosm or an extension of the way they kind of view life and scripture and all that as a whole. Right. It's interesting that they're, they're chasing the musical of life. Right. Like we, we want, um, and, and I guess I would say this for the, the people who don't like musicals, that the very thing that makes somebody who likes a musical, like it is the same thing that makes a person who doesn't like musicals, not like it. Okay. Okay. What do you mean and, by that? So like, I am somebody who does not like musicals. Um, and the reason why is because, that's not reality. Yes. That's not life. <laughs> that, that is not. <laughs> You're telling me the birds don't burst into song with me as I sing. What I'm saying is that what? I've never once in the history of my entire existence on this planet, which admittedly is pretty short com- in the whole context of humanity, <laughs> but I've never seen somebody in a casual conversation talking about some life problem or boy or girl <laughs> problem. Just all of a sudden break into out song. Yeah. into song and a choreographed dance in public where everybody is like, yeah, this is completely normal. You know, it makes you know me cringe. I, I, it just, it bothers me. Cause it's like, have you ever been in band? No, have I've been in a band, in a band, but not like band, like high school in band, high school band, high school jazz band. These were things that happened. Okay. Maybe I'm just saying <laughs> my experience. I'm like, that's not reality. Right. Yeah. And so the thing that people who like musicals like about it mm-hmm. is because it's that way. Right. And that's what they kind of look for. Even when it comes to like studying the Bible, it's like they're looking for, the musical experience for it to break out in song and dance. It's an artistic interpretation of real pain and real emotion. um, (laughs) But it's not real. Pain is real enough for me. I don't need it to be artistically artistically (laughs) interpreted. Um, You mean you don't want to sing about your pain, Ryan? Oh, my God. 
and people who don't like musicals, it's Cut like my life into pieces because that is not, <laughs> my last it is resort. not, I'm not saying music. I'm saying musicals. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Sound of music. Um, high school musical, high school musical. The, what's the show they had? Oh yeah. High school musical. Right. Yeah. They just brought the yeah, show. You back. Have that generation that kind of mm-hmm. grew up with that. Like I didn't, but I did enjoy Hamilton all of, though. All of the Renaissance Disney movies of okay. the nineties. So the, the Disney movies are different because they're a cartoon. So you're already going into it with this is imagination. Not, yeah, this is not reality, right? <laughs> Interesting. But like okay. you look like you like my wife's favorite movie is Greece, right? Oh my gosh. And I'm looking at it, I'm like, <laughs> what this is not how people act, right? That's not how biker gangs so, act. <laughs> so my point is this by larger extension, sometimes when I read um I certain narratives in the Bible, it's like I'm tracking along the narrative. It's not that I'm losing the narrative, but what I read in terms of details and way people react and respond, I'm like, that doesn't seem to be reality. Like people don't respond that way. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. In this particular story, right. Is when I had felt with for a while is that, okay. So there's a stranger walking along Mm -hmm. the shoreline. Interesting. Yeah. I, I I'm fishing, I'm working. And they, this person says, Hey, particularly with like Peter, I mean, Peter's married, Mm -hmm. right. And with his brother, Andrew, they, they obviously have a business. They, they're trying to make ends meet. Yeah obligations. And then he says, some stranger comes along and says, Hey, come follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. And they're like, okay. And yeah, then they right? just drop everything they're doing and go. Yeah. And then they, he keeps says going. Immediately. In yeah, the scripture well, it, says immediately. You go to, yeah. I was going to say to, to John and James, they're with their father, right? Imagine ever doing this to your father growing up where you're working the boat, you're doing a chore and some stranger again comes and says, Hey, come follow me. And they're like, okay immediately. <laughs> and then like, there's no repercussions. Like imagine if I came back from the gym and I looked at my wife and I said, Hey, I met this guy in the gym <laughs> and he told me to come follow him and I'll be able to lift the world. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll be able to so bench press the earth. <laughs> I'm, I'm packing up and I'm leaving for a couple of months to go follow this guy. My wife would be like, let's start my training. No, montage. you're packing your, you're packing your things to either go to an insane asylum or you're packing your things to go find a different apartment or, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, um, you're, you're not staying here if that's what you think you're doing. Right. Yeah. But apparently this, you know, Peter and Andrew and James and John, like that doesn't seem to be the case. Mm-hmm. And I always just kind of had this disconnect of the reality, right? Why, like, how does this make sense? You know what I'm saying? It's, it's mm-hmm. like reading a musical and musical loving people read that. That's they have funny. no problem with it. Cause they're yeah. like, yeah, this is, Oh, it's a musical oh life. And, you know, it's an example of a musical where people who don't like musicals read that. And like we, you're right. It gives like pitch perfect vibes, right? Like, musical oh people. It's it's about, does it feel right? Where I think non-musical loving people, it's like, does it make sense? Mm-hmm. Like logically. Right. Yeah. And just kind of where people's minds go. Right. And how they are. So this is kind of that text, but what we're going to do is we're going to kind of dive in a lot of the context that leads into this mm-hmm. so that by the end for the non musical loving people who listen, they're going to be like, Oh, okay. That makes sense. Right. Mm -hmm. For the musical loving people, they're going to be like, yep, that absolutely feels completely right. Um, so with that, let's kind of get into it. So I like that. I like that. I can't wait for the, yeah. So for those that are listening now, go ahead and write a comment on if you're a musical lover or a musical (laughs) hater and how this podcast episode, uh, made you react. (laughs) I'm interested. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, so let's kind of talk about, so the ideal for a Jewish boy in the first century AD. Okay. So just as my son, um, both my sons actually wanted to be firemen and astronauts and now it's scientists. They want to be scientists. Um, that's something you mature into though. They, they eventually yeah. want to get there. Uh, my youngest is still kind of, I want to be an astronaut, but I kind of want to be a scientist. I'm like, well, an astronaut is a scientist. Yeah. 
but it's also a pilot. So that's why it's so cool. Right. Like besides the point, mm-hmm. what was their ideal? Okay. So a Jewish boy in the first century, their supreme ideal that they wanted to grow up to be was a rabbi. That was the top tier. That that was the most respected thing the, that you can be huh. in that society as a rabbi. Uh, much in the Middle East is the same way to be a religious leader, hmm. like in Afghanistan or Iraq. Yeah, it's, it's, it's but that's the same equated thing. to with real power too. Um, it's like political influence and power are very much tied. Well, to Well, and that would be the same for their time too. Yeah. Is that if if you were a rabbi, particularly a predominant, well-known rabbi, one to which you're part of the Sanhedrin. Yeah. Right, that's giving you political power as it's well. It's like those kids that the say, I want to be president. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of the same, idea, but they're kind of meshed together, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, in those societies, it is meshed together. Right. So, like, for example, um, the high priest of Israel, because they were under Roman occupation, mm-hmm. almost acted as the senior political leader for Israel mm-hmm. within that occupation. Okay. Right? So... But, but for everybody. Were they the ones it, who organized like the Jewish exception and all that that we talked about in prior episodes? They would be the ones who are essentially lobbying on behalf of the Roman prefix who are in charge. It depends mm-hmm. on the kingdom. Because remember in Jesus's day, Northern Galilee was actually, there was a king. It was the kingdom of Galilee mm-hmm. with um, that particular time, um, King Herod um, of Antioch, the son of King Herod the Great. In Judah, the kingdom of Judah, um, there was another king, but right before, like essentially, um, before Jesus was born, mm-hmm. um, this dude was a maniac, was psycho, was not effective. Oh, so man. Rome came in and said, we're going to put a Roman governor over that kingdom. So you got to remember when it keeps talking about Israel, that's actually a, in the, in the context of the time when they're writing the gospels is actually a very powerful political statement because mm-hmm. at the time there wasn't a, um, united Israel right? It, it was two different kingdoms. Hmm. So using the term Israel is meshing two kingdoms together, talking about sovereignty, right? Okay. Um, that's a whole different thing. But the, the primary thing was to be a, a rabbi. Now, from the ages of six years old to 10, um, all Jewish boys would go to essentially synagogue um, and they would go to what you'd call the, the, the school of the book, school of the book or the school of Torah. Hmm. And what they would learn there and this, this blows many of our Western minds. What was, sorry, what were the ages that they were going to the Six school? years old to 10. Six to 10. Okay. So from six to 10, you're going to the school of Torah, school of the book. Um, and in that time, because, you know, most people couldn't read or write. You know, there, there was no printing press yet. Yeah. Um, some f- Jewish families maybe had a scroll of m- maybe a book of, you know, the Old Testament in their home. But generally, like, nobody had that, right? Mm-hmm. So... The big emphasis was on what you would call the oral tradition. Mm. And what they would do is they would memorize the entire Torah in memory. Yeah. Verse by verse, the entire Torah. Yeah, because they read it throughout the year. They would read like a couple of verses from it. And so by the end of the year, they read the whole thing, right? And then every From year the ages of that. six years old to 10 years old. Yeah. So by the time. But even a synagogue, they would be reading it, right? Sure. But for this particular school, like. We send our kids to school every day, learning yeah. everything else. They were just learning Torah, mm-hmm. but they're memorizing it. So yeah. it was from start of Genesis 1-1 all the way through at the end of the Deuteronomy, everything, going verse by it. verse, going through the entire Torah. It was all ingrained in memory. So a 10-year-old, right, coming out of that school would be able to recite the entire Torah yeah. start to finish, that, right? That and, makes a lot of sense from the perspective of a lot of the stories in the New Testament, 
where people seem to recognize the references that Jesus would mm-hmm. be making. Average people recognize these references, whereas like most of us today wouldn't recognize them without deep study into the it's like how, did, it's like, how does like this average person know that he's quoting Isaiah? It's like, well, because they went to these school. No, oh, Isaiah is not Torah. Oh, you're right. So Isaiah we'll, we'll get to it, okay? Because they're, they're right. building blocks in their society, okay? Mm. So from six years old to 10 years old, by the time you graduate of the school of the book at 10 years old, you had memorized Genesis, um, Exodus, Deuteronomy, Leviticus, and Numbers. Yeah. Right? The five books, uh, the books of Moses, the Torah. Mm. Um, and it was just memory. It was, this is what it says. Yeah. Cause that was the foundation. You just need to understand what God said as the law This is what you need to do. Right. So coming out of the school of the book at 10 years old, yeah. if you were one of the top students, like the, the rabbis who are there observing would say, yeah, Imran has a brain for this. He did really well. Like he had this all memorized by the time he was eight. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. when you're like, you're, oh, you're the best of the best within your class. You would then get selected to continue studies into what they would call the school of Talmud. Now the school of Talmud is when you'd go now memorize all the history books. So first Kings, second Kings, first Samuel, second Samuel, first Chronicles, second Chronicles, Mm. the prophets. So all your major and minor prophet books and your books of wisdom. So that that's like Ecclesiastes, um, you know, all the, all the books of Solomon, Proverbs, um, Mm. Psalms, et cetera. Right. So it's essentially memorizing the rest of the old Testament. If, you were selected and you shown you proved yourself to be a, a good student. Right. Interesting. So that would go from the time that you were about 10 to 13. Now at 13, you would have a bar mitzvah. This is what the, essentially you are graduating, um, you know, from the, the school of Talmud and you're becoming a man. Now, if you didn't graduate, weren't going to the school of Talmud, mm-hmm. you would still have a bar mitzvah. But if you were in the school of Talmud, um, that bar mitzvah took place in the temple Hmm. Um, or with a prominent rabbi if you couldn't make it there. So if you think about when the story, when Jesus' parents left him at the temple, Mm -hmm. um, well, notice how it was saying that he was um, preaching. Well, he was being questioned and answering and they were amazed by his answers. Yeah. Jesus, that is. That the reason they're there is for his bar mitzvah. He's becoming a man in their culture. But what that tells you is that at that time, Jesus was in the school, was graduating the school of Talmud. Okay. So I guess my, I guess my question is why were his parents then like confused as to where he was? Okay. So I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on this, but okay. Because it was dangerous to walk the trails from like, they're coming up from Galilee, right in the North Mm -hmm. going down into Jerusalem. You had robbers. You had, there's danger, right? Yeah. So the way they would move in a caravan is with a group of people. Mm. You'd have children and women in the middle, and then the men would pretty much walk on the flanks and in the front. Okay. Okay. So Jesus, on his way to his bar mitzvah, would have been riding with his mother mm-hmm. in the middle of the caravan with the, with the children and the women. After his bar mitzvah, he's now considered a man, right? Mm. So mama was probably like, well, he's not with me because he's a man now. He yeah. has bar mitzvah. He's probably with dad somewhere walking on the flanks with the men. Yeah. Does that make sense? Dad was probably like, well, yeah, he just had his bar mitzvah, but he's still 13. Like there's some practicality of that, right? He's like, yeah. he's still probably just with his mother in the caravan. It was still close enough. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We were not like, all right, you're 13. Here's your spear. Here's your sword. Let's go join the military, right? Yeah. It wasn't like that. So that's why that confusion Indeed. happened. It was, okay. it was that mama was like, yeah, he's probably on the flanks with dad. Dad's like, no, he's still with the, the primary caravan with mama. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. 
And then they're like three. That's why it says they get down. They're like, where is he? He's still at the temple. Right. Oh Um, my gosh. Okay. So, um, so I say that because that, what that tells you is that because of where Jesus was and the interaction of that at his age, you knew that he was graduating the school of Talmud. Okay. Mm -hmm. And notice how it also stated that they were amazed by his answers in that text. Yeah. That's important because after the school of Talmud, so you remember, you already kind of skimmed off the top, you know, probably 25% of, um, of top performers at the school of, of Torah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. To go to the school of Talmud. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're in the school of Talmud, you're graduating. They then skim off the top again, the top, you know, 20, 15% mm-hmm. of high performing students from that to go into the next school, which is the school of Midrash. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so your your level of education was totally based on your ability to do your first level of education. Keep going up. Yeah. Right. So it's like if you were good here, then you keep going up. If you weren't good, it's like, well, off to the fields there. Oh, well, it gets, it gets <laughs> off even to the, it, off to the it gets even worse than that. So we'll, we'll talk we'll talk about that in a second. So just track okay. with me for a bit, okay? Okay. But when I guess what I'm saying is one of the central pieces that when you see Jesus in the temple interacting with the rabbis and the priest mm-hmm. and how they're amazed with them, that's that's the author giving credence to Jesus's um, intellectual acumen for Torah. It, it is making a rabbinical statement about him hmm. is that because they were so amazed, there's an assumption that because they were so amazed that he was going to move on to the school of Midrash. Okay. okay. Now the school of Midrash is from about the ages of 13 to 15 or 16, kind of depending. Mm-hmm. Um, but the school of Midrash is you again, oral tradition by memory memorizing the commentaries of essentially the entire old Testament and the Torah. Jeez. So it's no longer by memory. The first five books, it's the entire old Testament I've memorized in my head, but now I've also memorized by the time that you're graduating that you've memorized all the commentaries of all the different rabbis throughout the years in wow. their commentary on that entire thing. Jeez. Now just think about this. You could honestly say that most 10 year olds in that culture probably knew more Torah than most pastors do now. Yeah. Right. And by the time you are about 15 years old in the school of Midrash, like that, that's like equivalent to saying you've got like a that level is essentially, yeah. A masters of divinity, like what we call a masters of divinity now, but even now, like I couldn't quote to you, like I have notes, I have general, I I can remember like, I I know generally the theology of Karl Barth and Thomas Aquinas and John Calvin and Martin Luther and, you know, Augustine, like I could tell you generally, right. But I can't quote to you specifically what Augustine says exactly. as a commentary on Genesis three, five. Yeah. Right. That's like the kind of depth that they were at. Right. Mm-hmm. And of course they're in a culture where that's a natural thing to, in terms of memory. So they had mnemonics and obviously mm-hmm. ways to teach this well mm-hmm. that we're not used to. So that's what I'm saying. It blows our mind. Right. Yeah. yeah. But by the time you're about 15 or 16 years old, you're, if you were selected for all these schools, right. So if you make it to the school of Midrash, which is the Bible makes a point that Jesus did, um, or it assumes that because of the response of the priests and the rabbis mm-hmm. at his bar mitzvah, um, he was most likely selected for Midrash. Okay. Now at the end of Midrash, you have, um, again, there's a skimming, but it's not the way the other previous schools had been kind of skimmed. What happens is all the students in Midrash, the rabbis come down and they interview each student. Hmm. And, um, the interviews were kind of crazy. Like this is going to sound complicated and that's because it was okay. Okay. So let me just kind of give you a couple examples. Okay. One of the things that were implicit with it was that they would ask you a question 
about scripture or commentary or whatever, and you needed to respond in a question. So um, as an example, if I were to ask you, Imran, what's two plus two? Four. You would say four, right? Yeah. They would be expected to respond, what's two plus two? Well, what's the square root of 16? Oh, man. Four. Yeah, that's the answer is four. It's yeah. four. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. But, but that's how they would, that's how you need to respond. You okay? respond with a question. So that's why when you see a lot of the teachings of Jesus they or his the Jeopardy, like what is four? I don't know. <laughs> I, mean, I feel like that'd be kind of cheating. The, well, you probably just want to get selected. I'm, yeah, I'm sure. Talking, You're I'm right. talking to a point. Okay. So um, when, when you see Jesus use, like you, when you see a lot of his interactions with people, they come and ask him a question. Mm-hmm. You'll often find Jesus responds with a question. Hmm. Yeah. Um, that's, that's what he probably learned in Midrash school. Like that's what you were trained to do like that. Right. You, you were, huh. uh, you respond with a question. That's, that's how, rabbis would respond to questions because they've gone through all that. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Um, that's one. They would also ask you kind of trick questions. So um, an example, um, what are the three references to the book of Deuteronomy in the prophet Obadiah's book? Okay. So one you're expected to know you that. Expect, yeah, exactly. Okay? But that's a trick question. Mm-hmm. It's not really a trick question, but it is kind of a trick question because what you would respond, the expected response to that would be, um, well, which three references are you referring to? Cause there's actually four hmm. references to Deuteronomy and Obadiah. Oh, wow. You okay. see what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. he's testing, does he know that there's four mm-hmm. or is he only just going to give me three? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's testing their, their acumen yeah, I, for this. I failed um, that SAT test. Right. Yeah. And, and most did right yeah. now. This is what we're leading to. Okay. This is, this is going to be what makes what Jesus says here. So impactful. Okay. Um, in that interview, with a bunch of different rabbis um, getting interviewed and, and the, the prospective disciple, the student would go find a rabbi because the next step of this, after you graduate midrash school mm-hmm. is to go find a rabbi to be their mm-hmm. disciple mm-hmm. that you go study under, you learn, I mean, yeah. student, I'm going to go essentially be an apprentice yeah. under you and you're going to teach me. So you would go to these rabbis and like, well, you know, can I be your disciple? And they get, they get the, this, have this interview process, right? Mm-hmm. If they found you unworthy, um, we'll get to that in a second. Let's first actually talk about if you were accepted. This is what they would say if you were accepted, okay? Um, and th- this is well-documented. This is pretty standard phrase, right? Um, if you were accepted, they would say, um, come, follow me, and spread my yoke. Mm. Okay? okay, so that, that was a very common the yoke, what they meant by yoke is that that's like the doctrine, the teachings, the position of that rabbi. Mm. Yeah. So the rabbi's goal was to spread his yoke, to spread his theology, to spread yeah. his teachings, right? Um, the disciple were to come in and learn from him and with the understanding mm. that you are here to spread my yoke. Okay. So I want you to kind of remember that because- I have a question though. Why? Why was, why did each rabbi have a different yoke? I guess a slightly different interpretation once you reach that level of nuance with the faith and they're like, well, I want to spread my interpretation of it. Like why, why was that accepted within the culture? There wasn't like a, so this is the, it sounds like denominations within. um, Yeah. It could be a little bit of fractionalism. Um, If you you remember, not fraction, faction, faction, um, if you remember when we were doing the Galatian study, right? 
how Paul warns against factions. Yeah. yeah. This is the kind of stuff he's talking about. But mm-hmm. um, it, I mean, I would also say, though, even in today's Christianity, you have a bunch of different theological systems and camps and you have people who are almost champions for them. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you, you, there's no short of podcast that you can go find talking about why Calvinism is the proper theological system. And then another podcast that says why theo- Calvinism is not the yeah. appropriate theological mm-hmm. system. Right. You still see the same thing it's, it's, as long as you're remaining united under the same Lord for us. Right. Yeah. So you still get a little bit of that. And then that debate's good because one of the things I think that's assumed behind all this is one disciple means student. So I'm here to learn, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I, I'm here to learn from my rabbi. I am a disciple. I'm a student and of this rabbi. And does rabbi mean teacher? I mean, more or less. Yeah. I mean, it was obviously a loaded That's title. Right, political yeah. stuff wrapped right, into but, it. But yes, okay. I mean, in, in its basic essence, yes, it's, it's your teacher. It's your religious teacher, right? Okay. Um, but I, I think, so one of the pieces with that though is um, you would choose that rabbi and what he is seeing is essentially, are you good enough? Are you worthy enough to be my disciple, represent me yeah. and spread my yoke across, you know, um, when you go on to your ministry, essentially, right? That's mm-hmm. what they were concerned with. So I, I want to, this is Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. So I want you to kind of keep this in mind, right? Remember, they would say, come, follow me and spread my yoke. Okay. Um, here's an example of Jesus using kind of the same Term. This is in ver, uh, verse 28, chapter 11. And he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am a gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you notice how um, this is, these are where you find the, the deviancies, deviancies, that's probably not. I mean, deviations, does, deviations. Thank you. Not deviance. Yeah. Yeah. The deviation of Christ. Okay. <laughs> when you would say, come follow me, spread my yoke. <laughs> but he instead says, come follow me. Then he says, I will give you right there. There's all these, em- huh. there's this emphasis of what he will give yeah. in the relationship. Previously, your, your relationship between a rabbi and a disciple wasn't that way. Essentially what's in it for the disciple, the disciple, what's in it for the disciples, they get to be my student. Yeah. They're accepted to be my student. The fact student. that you're here. Right. That you get to come study my under me. My presence is my presence. Essentially, right? And what he emphasizes instead of, so he says, come follow me and spread my yoke. He says, come follow me. It's to your benefit. You'll find rest with me. You, you mm. um, Tired souls will, will find rest with me. But then he, then he goes into the yoke portion, right? So he's following the same model, right? Um, but he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Take my yoke. Take my my doctrine, take my teachings, take my theology and learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls in his yoke, right? For my yoke, my teachings, my doctrine, my theology is easy and my burden for it is light. Okay. So you see Jesus following that kind of that same model, right? How he's calling out to them. It's, it's a, it's a rabbinical saying. Yeah. It is a very Jewish rabbinical saying that he's giving in that moment. Um, so, um, the whole like goal, right. For, for this rabbi interviewing a student to come be a potential disciple is they're looking at, is this individual good enough to be my disciple 
Um, are they, do they have the ability to be essentially like the rabbi? I have a question. Was Jesus actually, I don't know if it's an ordination process, but Jesus, was Jesus like an actual rabbi so I by thought, the state so at I thought this were, point? I thought you were going to ask this question because I taught this to the youth a couple weeks ago and they didn't pick up on this and they didn't ask this question, but I did when I was doing my study. So, right. What's the qu- good question, right? If Jesus was a recognized rabbi, which he was. Mm-hmm. So he was a recognized rabbi a recognized, by this point. So when he walked up on these men fishing, they would have, like, was he wearing something that yes, would have made it known? It, it would like, have been known, I am like, a rabbi. That guy's a So now you're rabbi. starting to pick up on some of the context behind the story. Yeah. Of this it wasn't str- just some dude. Some stranger this walking on the shore. A political this is a rabbi. leader, essentially, in your community that you would have been aware of that you may have, they may have in some way, like seen him in some of this school process before well, they th- fell this off. This is happening in Capernaum. Jesus was from Nazareth. Oh, but so they would have known. I don't him. think they would have known necessarily known him. From I don't the school think, process. I don't even think they would have known that he was necessarily supposed to be the king of Israel yet. Mm. Right. Cause there's two elements kind of playing behind mm. this. Um, but they knew he was a rabbi. But they knew he, he would have been dressed in, yes, a, in that very, very rabbi obvious. It's been recognizable that right. he was a rabbi. Very, very obvious. And the other it, question. This also kind of assumes he was alone. Would he even have been alone? Well, when, this this is kind of talking about. He, I think he would have had a couple of disciples by this point, hmm. just based off the fact of he was spending time down by the Jordan with John the Baptist. Hmm. We'll get all to that in a second. I'm sorry. Okay, um, but you do raise up an interesting thing, right? So if Jesus went to the, um, and, and I was going to say this that Luke makes the point to talk about when Jesus' ministry started mm-hmm. at 30 years old, right? Why does that matter? Because 30 was the age that you would start your ministry as a rabbi. Hmm. Um, it would take 10 more years for their school to be completely complete. Yeah. So, so essentially what would happen is because, so the whole idea of the intermittent, um, rabbi, like Jesus was, that wasn't unique to Jesus. Most rabbis were traveling like he did. So when you see him moving around everywhere, traveling and and preaching the gospel, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's preaching his yoke, right? He's spreading his yoke, just like other rabbis were traveling around spreading their yoke, their teachings. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so when it makes a point that it started when he was 30, that again is a rabbinical statement. That, that is makes saying, the jealousy that some of those competing mm, fa- factions of the society. You're the like new kid on the block. Yeah. It makes a lot more interesting. Right. So when, when Jesus goes up and starts teaching in the temple, for example, um, one, that, that also is a play that you, in order for you to teach in the temple, you also had to be from the line of Aaron. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that story, like we, we did it when, uh, the adulterous woman. Yeah. Right. But then there's also the story when he's in there teaching and he's flipping tables because of the money changers. Mm-hmm. How is he in there teaching other rabbis and priests in the temple to begin with? You weren't allowed to do that unless you were from the line of Aaron. So why does that matter? Because Luke and Matthew follow two different genealogies. One goes through Joseph, mm-hmm. um, which is to show, um, royalty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. The other goes through Mary and everyone's like, oh, that, that's him trying to trace the bloodline, right? By blood. Cause he came through Mary. He, he wasn't a blood child of Joseph. He was mm-hmm. only, the only blood he shared with anybody was Mary. I don't think that's the right answer. I think what he's really showing is his rabbinical line to Aaron because okay. Aaron being the brother of Moses, right? The Levites, mm-hmm. he was over the charge of the temple. Okay. So in order for you to teach in the temple, you had to be of the line of Aaron and that would be verified before you even entered the temple to teach. Oh, so they they would have had to verify Jesus's lineage back to Aaron. That's absolutely Um, wild. 
right so that level of nuance there. um but but yeah so then he shows up he's the new kid on the block they're like okay yeah you can teach here because you're of the line we suck at tracking stuff now like the level of accuracy that they had to track that stuff is incredible right how they still did it and that's yeah. why because he's, he's like you see it in the scriptures like i don't know how to go back 15 generations of in my well, family i when, barely go back three when rome destroyed the temple in 70 ad that's why that was such a big deal because all those records were kept in the temple mm. so the fact that because the Gospel of Matthew in particular is in the context of that. So the fact that he records Jesus's, uh, Jesus's genealogy was for the, because the temple had been destroyed. Those yeah. records were lost. He says, we need to record this so they yeah. understand, future generations understand his lineage back to not only um, um, in terms Aaron, of being, but also uh, Aaron, but also uh, of David mm-hmm. um, to, to prove that he's the Messiah because that was part of the messianic proof. Right. I think it's like a question for a modern day non-believing Jew is, okay, say Jesus wasn't the Messiah. You're waiting, still waiting for the Messiah. Hmm. How are you going to verify he's the Messiah? Because all the proof that the Bible gives you for the Messiah has been destroyed. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? So like that's a whole nother element. But my point being is that, um, um, or, or the other question to this was then who would have been Jesus's rabbi? Because if he goes from the school of the book to the school of Talmud to the school of Midrash, for him yeah. to be made a rabbi, he would have had to been a disciple of somebody. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, like very quickly, I'll just give you three options. There's one that I kind of lean towards. Okay. Um, one, there also could have just been an unnamed rabbi that we just don't know wasn't documented. Didn't matter who his rabbi was because Jesus was the ultimate, mm-hmm. the rabbi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it didn't really matter. So they don't bother to mention his name. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one option. Second option would be John the Baptist. Cause if you remember, John the Baptist was a rabbi who was also, um, a priestly rabbi because uh-huh. he was of, uh, his father, Zachariah was one of the priests mm-hmm. on the day of atonement. That's when all, right. Yeah. But he had his following of disciples with him in, um, by the Jordan. How much older was John the Baptist? To- like six months. Okay. Yeah, you're talking about John the Baptist collecting all of those followers within about six months ahead of Jesus. Wow. Like not a lot of time. Then um, that doesn't really bring in that case for John the Baptist. Exactly. That's exactly it. Yeah. Right. Um, so, but there, some of the counter arguments to that would be, well, why was Jesus down in the Jordan to begin with? You know, John knew who he was like, yeah, they were cousins. Like, yeah, they, they you know, had Thanksgiving turkey together growing up. Oh, my goodness. They didn't have Thanksgiving then. But you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Um, but they had plenty of feasts. They would have known each other, mm-hmm. right? Um, but John had all his disciples too, right? Um, the third, which is the one that I tend to lean towards, um, that I can be swayed on, but I think it was his father, Joseph. Really? I think his father, Joseph, was the, ended up being his rabbi. Um, I thought his father was a stonemason. So here's the thing with that. That's true. But because the rabbis were intermittent teachers and they would travel, they would still have to work. They would still have to Jesus work. Jesus also worked. Right. So most rabbis had a trade. Jesus was like a woodworker or something. Mason. It, it's masonry. Carpentry, but, masonry, one yeah. of the two. Most likely masonry, even though everybody associated to wood. But um, like Jesus probably grew up even in certain like areas along Galilee. Yeah. Like you'll see a lot of. There was a big economic boom there in Rome where they were building mm-hmm. a lot of things, a lot of Gentile towns. This is fascinating so, too because it really kind of brings in the tithing portion as well because if you didn't have disciples to help 
fund your ministry, then now you're a rabbi that's trying to go out and spread your yoke, but also have, you have to work. Um, and so until you have disciples that are willing to help, um, fund your ministry, you're out here, you know, working to just eat and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. And then also trying to teach. So it's, it's actually, and and that's why Paul talks about like in Galatians six, that you need to pay these teachers, the rabbis, what you want, because if you're not going to be able to financially support them, they have to work their trade to make ends meet, to be able to feed themselves. And then they can't focus on studying the word so that they can teach you. So if you want to be taught, then you should be, right. Yeah. Um, so, and and that's why it says Jesus had a, so generally in this time, like with, the men in particular. So if this is the supreme ideal, right? What happens then if somebody like Peter, who's married, mm-hmm. um, wins up becoming a disciple, or the rabbi themselves are married, or you know, how does that work? Yeah. Generally, what would happen because that was the supreme ideal, men would go commit themselves to study, women would actually run the and do the management of the business. Mm. They controlled the money, they controlled like the day-to-day operations. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, the day-to-day operations of the home. That's true. But also the day-to-day operations of the business. Yeah. Um, so the men could go commit themselves to study to, to be a actual, rabbi, right? Yeah. Um, so the whole point is, is that, yes, Jesus was, um, Jesus knew the trade of masonry or carpentry to probably sustain himself for a bit. Mm-hmm. But I don't make any mistake about it because I think this is a misnomer. When you ask, what was Jesus's occupation? It was not a carpenter. It was a rabbi. Yeah. Um, there's only two references to Jesus Jesus being a carpenter or a mason um, in scripture. One of them is actually in reference to his father. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Yeah. The other one is when he's in Nazareth. And they're like, isn't this the carpenter? <laughs> but that's also within the context of people not knowing anything about Jesus, right? Yeah. But, you're, but, but over you were, you were 54 up- times though, hold on, over 54 times, it calls Jesus teacher or rabbi. Yeah. Jesus's occupation was a rabbi. That's who he was. That, that's what he was known as. Um, he was a rabbi. But you were referencing that Joseph may have also been a rabbi. So Correct. gone through all these schools. It was probably the was, ra- was probably the rabbi to, to Jesus. Okay. That's why we what's also the, what's see. The, what's really the, I guess, the proof text you're pulling from to make that argument that Joseph was also a rabbi? Um, it, it's, it's more, I guess, inferred. It, particularly because we don't know a whole lot about Joseph, to be honest. Yeah, I know. Um, in the very beginning, the way he handled Mary um, in that whole piece, because Mary being of the line of Aaron, mm-hmm. um, they generally, if you weren't going to marry within the tribe, the Levitical tribe, like from that lineage, it had yeah. to be to some sort of sp- spiritual lineage back to it. So a rabbi or somebody like that. Yeah. So when, um, but probably in terms of the course of events, Joseph probably just finished his apprenticeship as uh, with a rabbi. Mm-hmm. And then after that point, cause there's that, that lull, right? There's, yeah. there's about a decade um, before you can start being a practicing rabbi. So you're still kind of act like you're still like, you know, a, I guess you would say an associate pastor in a sense, mm-hmm. right? You're still doing ministry, but you're not, you don't have yoke yet. Yeah. You don't get to spread that's your a yoke. a long time. Right. It's, that's why like when, when Jesus is in Nazareth and he mm-hmm. makes that big claim um, in the synagogue, when he opens up to Isaiah 61, he says on this day, it's been fulfilled. And there's like this big uproar and they try to kill him. Right. Yeah. Well, why was he up there reading the prophets anyways? That's because he was already 
had been def- uh, identified before he started his active rabbinical ministry mm-hmm. as being probably somebody who had already passed apprenticeship and he was active in the synagogue in that role until okay. that. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, but to them, they're like, well, yeah, isn't this our homegrown rabbi from Nazareth? <laughs> like, and he's telling us, you know what I'm saying? Um, so that's a lot of the context of that. But you see these all mm-hmm. throughout, right? I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on Joseph because, um, but Jesus certainly probably had a rabbi because yeah. he had to be accepted culturally as somebody who, um, as a rabbi, yeah, right? And not only that, but you also see a lot of Jesus in his oral tradition. So there's the written law, then there's the oral law, right? Mm-hmm. Jesus held pretty tight. It's called halakha. Um, he held pretty tight to oral law too. Um, you get that in, in things like, there's small subtleties, right, that we miss. But when he, like, for example, when he blesses the food before he eats, mm-hmm. that's oral law. That's not written law. That's not Leviticus. Hmm. Um, what Leviticus actually says is that you're supposed to bless God and give him thanks after you eat. Oh, so you eat, and then you're, you're essentially supposed to bless God and say, thank you for giving me a full belly. Mm-hmm. Thank yeah. you for providing for me, right? That's written law. Oral law had it that you pray before your meal. Oh, interesting. Um, and you see Jesus doing that, right? So there's these small subtleties like that that just, show him that he is, he is following rabbinical oral law. So mm-hmm. he's not like deviating. He's not like some, he's not as rogue as I think we tend to think he may be in terms of- Well, the, the Pharisees re- make him seem like he's pretty rogue. <laughs> they do. Well, because there are certain, um, like I said, there, there are times where you, you see him- You see your tribunals and stuff. And, yeah. But- the big context for us in this passage though, is that to the point that you already brought up, right? Jesus would have been recognized as a rabbi. He was dressed as a rabbi. Like we completely misrepresent him. Like, I don't, have you guys ever seen the show, the, the chosen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the way he dressed is probably not how he looked at all. Mm-hmm. He looked That's pro- exactly what I was thinking. Like he, yeah, in the he, show, the rabbis are like super. I was going to say, he probably looked up. closer to Nicodemus. Yeah. And that representation that makes, wow. oh, okay. than he did as the way he's being portrayed. Yeah. Like that's what he would have looked with like. With the stones and all that. And wow. Yeah. He, he, well, never, well, well, not necessarily like, the stones because those were priests. The priests had the stones, oh, okay. the breastplate. Um, but the rabbis had um, the prayer shawl with the tassels and then often the tassels would be a different color or a different length. Um, you would have the... Um, so they could like, like off the streets be like, that's a rabbi. Yeah. Oh yeah. You, you, you knew... A rabbi. That makes sense him. too, because people would walk up to Jesus and just refer to him as rabbi, uh, have, knowing nothing about right. him. He would say something to them, and it'd be like rabbi, and it's like that would make sense that he would look like a rabbi of, right. of the and, day. And nobody's going to give the highest honor in their culture to just some random person, to, to, to some guy man. who's teaching. Yeah, you know what I mean. And, and we even do that today, right? Like you, you could be talking Bible with somebody, and whoever you're talking Bible with could be absolutely brilliant. Man, you know your stuff. Like, yeah. this is very insightful and it's good, right? But if they're not an ordained pastor, you're, you're still not, not going to refer to them pastor, pastor, right? It was the same yeah. thing for them. Highest ideal, right? I think that the biggest thing I've gathered. Sorry, go ahead, Selena. I had a question. You brought up priest. Um, so, what's the difference between a priest, a priest and a rabbi? And a rabbi? So, so a, a priest had to be of the line of Aaron. They're in Jerusalem with the temple, right? Because okay. they, they were the workers of the ground for the temple. They handled everything in the temple, the Levitical um, rituals, right? So mm. Passover, slaughtering of the lambs. How do you become a at, priest versus a rabbi though? If rabbi was this, you go to all these schools and you're selected up if you were, of your 10 years. If you were of the tribe of Levi, oh, you, you were part of the priestly Levitical line. 
does that necessarily mean everybody was a priest? Not necessarily. Like, I don't know if you guys remember when, uh, when pastor David was doing the, uh, the, um, episode with John Mark, remember what they called him? Stubby fingers. <laughs> he was yeah. the stubby fingers and, and the way tradition went because he was of the tribe of Levi mm-hmm. as was his cousin Barnabas. Oh, so I the reason, wh- why was he, why was he stubby fingers that he chopped off a couple of his fingers because of that deformity, that would mean he was exempt from serving in the priesthood pr- priestly duties. Yeah. Cause he didn't want to do that. Hmm. Um, it's kind of what that annotates. So did that answer your question? Fully? Yeah. And priests, it seems like they stay more local in a specific area. No, So they would actually, they would yeah. be, they would live throughout the entire land, but at certain times of year, they would all have to go to Jerusalem. Mm. And what they would do is for certain duties, they would cast lots of who got to do what. So when you look back and um, for example, um, Zachariah in the very beginning in Luke, when, when it's talking about the birth of John the Baptist and how God comes to him in the temple mm-hmm. and, and um, cause his wife is also very old. It's kind of like an Abraham Sarah story. Right. And he doesn't believe it. So he gets muted. Right. Until John the Baptist is born. Uh, yeah. Um, well, why is he in the Holy of Holies to begin with? Well, cause he's a priest. Um, but only one priest would be selected to go into the inner the Holy of Holies on the day of atonement. They would cast lots. To, so essentially they're casting lots who gets to go in the temple and do that duty. Yeah. Draws the shortest straw and, because and, you could die. Yeah. If you did it wrong. <laughs> but in this case, plenty of examples in the old know, Testament. Are God, they God's also providence. teaching though, like rabbis or is it more practices? Yes. They, they would teach too. Yeah. yeah. They would, they would teach too. Mm-hmm. Rabbis was more on the synagogue system. So to understand politically, most of your priests belong to the Sadducee okay. line of theology. Hmm. Most of your rabbis belong to the Pharisee line. So this is always what's kind of interesting is Jesus, he's always going toe-to-toe with Pharisees, yeah. but he was probably from a Pharisee tradition. Hmm. He was probably following the teachings of either uh, um, like Hillel, for example, was a big one in his day. Okay. Um, but you see he deviates sometimes. He gives his own commentary because he's Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. But Jesus had influence, right? You got to remember Jesus surrendered all capacities in his incarnation. So he had to grow. He had to learn just like we do. He, he, he had to do all the same things that we did. Yeah, And so I was going to say that I think the biggest thing that I've gathered from this is because uh, whenever I read the Bible and um, Jesus would make these like quippy remarks um, when the Philistines would make some question, would ask some question of him or the people would ask a question or someone and he'd make all these references in the Bible. It's like, oh, well, he just knows. Because he's, he's God. God. Yeah. But um no. but then at the same time I also knew that well it's like well he surrendered all his like um godly um capabilities so that he could um die on the cross. But I didn't ha- I didn't really think about then like so why does he know all this stuff? Like now as you're explaining like this whole system that he would have gone through something like ten it's, plus years it's of just school. Not that, it's just not that he knew and, it, but people he was talking to knew it. Yeah. So it's like also the the general population had a good understanding. So you could even have these level of discussions. Um, with just the general populace and, um, and then him going through all the schools and he would have been recognized as someone that had gone through all these schools because he would have been wearing the, um, the appropriate attire and people would have recognized him. And that's why they always refer to him as teacher or rabbi, like mm-hmm. off the cuff. It's not um, like, even if they don't know anything about him, they were because they already knew from what he was wearing. Right. So it's like, this just provides so much. It's like a whole other window being opened right. um, 
of like how to how to see Jesus, and also just kind of spits in the face of all these like paintings we've got for some reason. <laughs> yeah, On so top of them, those. just making him like a there's white so- man with long hair. Uh, being that 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 whole thing, and then on top of that, he's usually just wearing like a white a gown. Robe. When that doesn't make any yeah. sense for no. the day either, because like who was just wearing a white gown no. and he, at all, ever? No, he he, <laughs> he looked more like the Pharisees as as Pharisees are depicted in a lot yeah. of those, you know, like in terms of the media. Mm-hmm. Jesus probably looked closer to that than he did. Wow. Um, and you're right, he wasn't a white man, right? Like, yeah. Um, at best, wearing maybe a white, evolved wearing skin. a white sheet. Like it doesn't. Um, he he also wasn't like. He was Middle Eastern, right? Yeah. But that's like kind of indifferent to me. When I'm, it's more of his robe, his attire yeah. would have identified him with authority in terms of religious authority mm-hmm. already before he even reveals himself to be yeah. the son of God. They but already like, would have. That's the part that like no one in my life has talked to me about that piece mm-hmm. that like he would have been recognized as a religious authority because of the schooling he would have gone through mm-hmm. to be a rabbi. And we know he was a rabbi because he was referred to without prompting or without someone having prior knowledge of him as a rabbi, which you, so that means, you know, he was already kind of dressed in that garb um, and that attire. It's like, but, but people don't talk like that. They, they like play down. Jesus is just like a common, this a- man. common underdog yeah. going against the big guy Right, the Pharisees, the Sadducees that are just trying to put him down, uh, but he's he's here to pick us all up and carry us to the finish well, line. I understand like, the world he's in. He was the underdog, the new guy coming onto the scene of ministry. So when he starts sparring with a high priest, and and he, we talked about that, uh, but it's not like it's not like a guy. It's not like a guy coming off the street and then trying to debate someone who's a Harvard graduate. It's two Harvard graduates debating. Yeah, no, this is elite schools. Right? Yeah, that's, I, I'm these, saying because yes. I always look at it as like some yeah. guy off the street. No, coming no. and debating a Harvard graduate like the the Pharisees and Sadducees, yeah, but no, no, it's like it's two graduates right. debating and 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 having but, but that. But there were of certain argument. things, right? So John the Baptist was the same way. Um, this is an interesting fact, but his and then also the average person is also a college graduate, just maybe not Harvard. Right. <laughs> at, at least community college, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. At least community and, college, and then, Bible knowledge, <laughs> right, right? But they, but like John the Baptist, who was also a rabbi. You know, he had this huge following and historically speaking, mm. uh, like Josephus, for example, the Roman, the, he was, he was a Jew, but he was hired on the behalf of Rome to record the history of the Jews, mm-hmm. his people for Rome. Right. Mm-hmm. So Josephus is always a kind of a go-to historian that people go to for this stuff. But speaking of that time, he speaks more about John the Baptist than he does Jesus Yeah, um, as a rabbi because wow. he was, John the Baptist was well known. So when, when it starts talking about like, there's this guy named John, the who's baptizing his yoke mm-hmm. was the message. What, what was John the Baptist's yoke? Repent. The kingdom of heaven is here. Yeah. Mm. He's spreading his yoke. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is here. Right. Okay. Um, but he was famous. Like he, everybody knew John the Baptist, wow. but he was new. He was just like Jesus. He just got on the scene. Was he doing baptism? in a new way or was the way he did baptisms already still in line with like Levitical, Levitical laws? I mean, a, a baptism of, they'd had multiple baptisms. Yeah. In their all culture, the, right? Yeah. The mikvahs and well, all, but I'm like, it was unique. Like the him, baptism and being in the Jordan baptizing was significant and it was a baptism of repentance, yeah. which is a little different than there say like when you were to go in and do a mikvah or a baptism for like a sin or a guilt offering, mm-hmm. like you'd show up to the temple, you do a baptism and you'd go provide a sin or guilt offering here. He has them all the way out in the Jordan and he's having them do these repent. 
baptism without of repentance, the, right? Without the offering, separate from the temple, because he probably came from the Essene, uh, the Essene community. We thought the temple was all corrupt, and which they kind of were. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there's this whole thing. But my point is, like with John the Baptist, it's just like so just it's like, like the Jesus. temple's not the point. The repentance is the point, and he's trying to make that the right. But he point. he was he became popular, and he he became this like rock star rabbi. But he was new, hmm. so when he spoke out against. King Herod and mm-hmm. that atrocious situation mm-hmm. and Herod goes and takes his head off. Mm-hmm. Why didn't, again, the political authority of, of Israel at the time, high priest and all them speak out, step in and say, yeah. you don't want to do that. Right. Yeah. Cause even when you, you see the kind of behind the scenes, when they go to kill Jesus, they're like, this is politically kind of devastating. Why didn't he have any of that cover? It wasn't just what he was saying. Yeah. It was also kind of the fact that there was probably some jealousy in the sense of, this new guy shows up, everybody's following him. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know nothing. Right. And they, they let Herod take, you know, behead him essentially. Yeah. But so that, that's a whole nother thing. I, we can't get into that. Um, mm-hmm. well, but, I think I know where my conflicting views come from are just growing up and seeing Jesus in a different light. Um, because we read like he, his parents don't really have much. Like their offering is a, what, a dove. Two doves. Yeah. yeah. Poor man's offering. Um, poor man. So, to me, it's like, oh, like he didn't grow up with much. You know, he was born and raised in a barn. And so when I think of a He wasn't Pharisee, raised in a barn. He was born well, in a... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, but when I think of a Pharisee, I think of like wealth and power and influence. And I don't see Jesus that way. I did, didn't really think of Jesus well, that he, way. He, so just keep in mind, like everybody went to the school of the book. Yeah. Everybody went. It didn't matter if you were poor, rich, whoever. So you didn't have to have money in order to continue past the school age Correct. of like 10. The point was now, to carry on the oral tradition. Right. They wanted everyone to the, know the, it. So was the, that the being rabbi like wanted disciples who were going to spread That's his yoke to the best of his ability. I'm sorry. What was your question? Was that school being paid for? Well, was, how did that school? It was through the synagogue. So it's a state. It's like public school. Like paying tithes. Like, going like to the poorest of us go to public school still. Wow. And the richest of us can also go to public school. Or you can go to fancy private But school. you got guys like Paul. That's the only way I can make it make sense in my head. So Paul, um, his rabbi, mm-hmm. like, you know, like when we were talking about that, he studied under uh, Gamaliel. Mm. But he was, th- he was probably the most famous rabbi in the entire world. And Paul was- You said they were contemporaries, right? Like they were alive at the same time? Gamaliel and Paul? Gamaliel, yes. No, Gamal- that was, someone who says that he studied under Gamaliel, Paul. That, oh, okay. That means Paul- yeah, yeah, sorry. For his apprenticeship, when he, when Paul graduated the school of Midrash, he was his disciple. The the highest, like most famous rabbi, wow. looked at Paul and said, "You are good enough to come be my disciple. Yeah. Come and spread my yoke. spread my yoke." Which is a big deal for Paul. That's why you see such a zeal for him. That's why he's guarding the clothes when they stone Stephen, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're not talking about just a Pharisee. You're talking about Paul, who was like the valedictorian of Harvard or Yale, or you know yeah. what I mean. Hmm going and studying under the most famous rabbi to spread that most famous rabbi's yoke. That's yeah. why when Paul talks about in Galatians, I was advanced beyond my years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's he talking about? He's talking about the fact that coming out of the school of Midrash, the most famous um, rabbi that existed decided, yeah, you could come be my disciple. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal. Yeah. Right? That's a huge deal for, for somebody like Paul. But again, to the another previous point though, about trade he even says that Paul was a tent maker. Right. So yeah. they all had a trade to sustain themselves in ministry. There was a common thing with rabbis. Right. Yeah. So, and then Paul also would live with different disciples as he traveled. Like he would kind of bounce between his disciples. Well, there was, well. there was an expectation 
if you weren't a rabbi. We're going to get into this in a little bit when we get into the rejection. Okay. But um, if you were rejected from a rabbi, mm-hmm. um, but um, a piece of this is that, okay, I'm not a rabbi. You're a rabbi. Mm-hmm. You come into town. Essentially, you accomplished to be the ideal I wanted. Yeah. You were able to do what I was not good enough to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you come in saying, I because need a place to sleep. everyone's going down that path. Right. Yeah. So essentially, there's always this association there. So if you're like, I need somewhere to sleep tonight, come into my home. Mm-hmm. The expectation yeah. is that you would go mm-hmm. um, and, and bring them in and let them sleep, yeah. right? Because they're the ideal. Mm-hmm. That makes sense? Um, so, That's cool. Um, one of the I things guess, Ryan, are, if you said you needed a place to crash because your wife kicked you out or something. Because I, I, you I could decided stay here. to follow the stranger in the gym. To, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Then you could stay <laughs> here. That's fine. <laughs> Thank you. I would not uh, deny that. Well, <laughs> so here's the other thing about the disciples. A couple other important things, though. Pastor. Um, if you were accepted to be someone's disciple, the idea is that you would emulate your teacher, your rabbi, in every way possible. So... Um, this is how kind of intense it got, right? You would not just learn how to study their way to follow the same spiritual habits. So the way Jesus prayed is the way they're going to mm-hmm. pray, right? Um, the, the way your rabbi prayed is the way you would pray. When your rabbi prayed is when you would pray. You're, when it says spreading the yoke, you are emulating that rabbi to the T, to mm-hmm. the point that when that rabbi goes and uses the bathroom, all <laughs> his disciples will follow him behind him. Like oh little, my goodness. Like little minions, and they will go... Use the restroom too. Yeah, they 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 want to emulate him to the very T of wow. everything, mm-hmm. to include bowel movements. Right? Wow. Um, they 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 wanted to be like him in absolutely every single way. That's why the rabbi was like, "Are you good enough to be me?" Mm. That's essentially mm. what they're saying. Yeah. Are you good enough to spread my yoke to be me? Mm-hmm. And if you get accepted, then you're gonna be like, "I'm gonna do all I can to be you." Wow. When, when are you going to the bathroom? That's when I'm going to the bathroom. Wow. Right. Um, t- if you picked up a a straw off string and put it in your mouth. If your rabbi did that, I'm picking up a straw and I'm putting it in my mouth. Um, you're, you're playing copycat essentially the entire way. Um, it's the same way we treat stars time. today. Um, huh. yeah. So also just another thing, if you were, uh, well, two other things, if you were accepted, um, a common saying that people would give to you as a congratulations, cause that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, they would say, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. And the idea is that you follow this rabbi so closely, you do such a good job um, that as you follow him along the dirt road, all the dust he kicks <laughs> up from his sandals covers you with that dust. Yeah. May you be covered in the dust of your rabbi is, is kind of the expression, right? Wow. Um, so it was a big deal. If you got accepted, like that, that's celebrations. You, you couldn't make a mom or a dad more proud. Wow. Um, you probably couldn't make your wife more proud. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, so... The other thing too, I, th- I think it was also interesting though, is that disciples also weren't allowed. Th- and this is, this is oral law. This isn't Levitical written law. Um, this is oral law, but just as you memorize all of Torah and memorize all of the old Testament, mm-hmm. memorize commentary, you were to press within memory, the teachings of your rabbi. Yeah. You were not allowed to write it down. Hmm. Okay. So that's why the gospel of Mark, they mm-hmm. call Peter's gospel. Mm-hmm. Well, why didn't Peter just write the gospel? Because Peter's probably following the tradition mm-hmm. of oral law. No, that's my rabbi. I'm not going to write down. I'm committing to memory everything he the said. teachings wow. of Jesus. So you have Mark, who is listening to Peter preach what Jesus preached in the way Jesus preached, 
because he was a disciple, right? Yeah. So he, you see, Mimic everything about and he everything writes it down he because, like, yes, we are all disciples of Christ, right? Mark was yeah. a disciple of Christ in the modern sense of the word. Yeah. In the technical sense of the word and the way Mark would have viewed that, he would have been like, no, Christ is my, Jesus is my Lord. He's my Messiah. He's my King. But like I, he wasn't my rabbi. Yeah. I'm not his disciple. So he, he would have been fine writing that down Mm -hmm. where Peter is like, no, that was my rabbi. I can't Mm -hmm. write that down. It's all committed to memory. Mm -hmm. Um, That's why when you get to um, like Luke or the gospel of Luke, is really him probably just doing interviews with all of Jesus' disciples, mm-hmm. right? But he's writing it down because Luke wasn't a disciple of Jesus, mm-hmm. right? When you look at the Gospel of Matthew, there's a lot of debate around that book, whether it was the disciple of Matthew or a different rabbi, Matthew, uh, Matthew who um, was a believer, obviously, but he was probably maybe discipled, or it's a rabbi who was discipled by the apostle Matthew. Mm-hmm. So it's so maybe a more appropriate way to write those realistically would have been the gospel according to, and you see some of those, yeah, the gospel according, according to John, yeah. but it's not necessarily the gospel written by John or the yeah. gospel written by, you know what I'm saying? Um, but, but besides the point, um, but, but they weren't allowed to write it. So it's just kind of how it influenced the gospels and the way they were written because they're just by memory committing everything, committing everything of what Jesus taught. I think that that's really good in a, in, in a way because let me how I want to explain this. So um, when I write things down, it's so I don't have to think about it, <laughs> yeah. and I can just refer back to it when I need it. But if yeah. I have to, if I commit something to memory, like I, it's like every few minutes I have to force myself to remember it so that I don't forget to do it later. Like the, mm. those like rare moments where I don't have like got the internal ticker. Yeah. It's like remember, those rare moments remember. when I don't have note taking gear physically on me and I like have to talk to my boss about something and he like gives me a task. It sucks if he gives it to me in the middle of the discussion. Cause now I'm just going to be repeating that task to myself until I leave his office and I can write it down. Uh, Cause I don't want to forget how he gave the task and how he expressed his intent um, so that I can complete the task accurately. Now, if I have the note taking gear on me, I just write it down close my little notebook and now I'm fully back engaged with the conversation with him. I'm not trying to remember exactly how he said the thing, but if I knew that one, everything that came out of his mouth, I needed to remember and I need to remember how he said it and what his intent was behind what he said. And I need to commit all of that to memory um, all of the time. And I couldn't write it down. That is a totally different way. Well, and, and, and I'm completely this, involved and, mentally in how they're, and you even see this engaged. now when like, you were to go to Israel you see guys kind of pacing back and forth on the street and they're just kind of almost looks like they're crazy. What they're, what they're really doing is they're reciting wow. Torah or Bible, mm-hmm. trying to memorize it. Right. Um, like young men, yeah. older, it's like, Oh, they, they probably have a rabbi who mm-hmm. just gave them a teaching and they are wow. repeating the teaching over and over. So what was the life of the, the disciples like when, so you have all the stories and interactions, the crazy, right? Like the good ones with Jesus healing people and things like that. Most of that day-to-day of him just teaching, mm-hmm. the, the day-to-day life of the disciples was probably follow Jesus, hear what he says. And then study, study, Jesus, like memorize, memorize, memorize. Yeah, it goes and does something and they are there memorizing, memorizing. Like, wow. To, to in, in putting it in the brain. And guys like me, like I have to write things down if I want it to be long-lasting memory. It's yeah. just the way my brain works, right? The way I've trained my brain, right? Yeah. Like different culture may have been different. Yeah, but, if you started at um, eight with memorizing Six. Like large books. Six. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> Six. Like, it's memorizing large books. Like you yeah, probably you, you, would be able you, to just memorize stuff. Get those narrow pathways good for it. Right. Yeah. But so anyways, um, that, that, that's like 
So the concept of being brought in to be a disciple of Jesus, like even the idea of dropping everything you have to follow the disciple um, or to follow a rabbi, like that wasn't even unique to Jesus in the sense that Mm. Jesus wasn't the only one who was demanding. In fact, like what we just read, um, you'll find a rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Mm. So in other words, my teaching, my doctrine, what I demand of you is much lighter than what all the other rabbis are demanding. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, we look at it as like, oh, it's so demanding to follow. It's like comparatively, no, it's not. Um, there was such an enslavement of a lot of the the yokes of a lot of other rabbis in that day yeah. that he's like, I'm freeing you, right? Mm-hmm. Like my, my burden is light. My yoke is light. I could see that because human depra- depravity knows no limits, even amongst the best of humans. Mm-hmm. You know? So let's talk about though then, what if you were rejected? Okay, because okay. this gets into a lot of, what we're talking about, right? Mm. If you were rejected, this is what you would hear. This is what the rabbi would tell you. If you, you if you're at Midrash and you got to the school, I'm like, hey, I'm graduating Harvard. Can I go be part of your big law firm, right? Or whatever. Mm. Can um, I be a fellow? <laughs> they ask you questions. You get interviewed. It's all complicated, right? And if you do not do well, mm-hmm. um, and this would have, you would have been told this, like if, say you graduated the, um, the school of the book, right? Learning just Torah. Mm-hmm. But you weren't even at that level as like a 10 year old, good enough to go into the school of Talmud. Mm-hmm. Or if you're made it to the school of Talmud, but not good enough to go to the school of Midrash, right? At any level, this mm-hmm. is what you were told if you were rejected. Okay. Mm-hmm. You were to- essentially told this son, you know Torah, but you cannot be my disciple. Go home, have children, and pray that they may become a rabbi and be better men than you. Go home and ply your trade. In other words, go home and learn the family business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So understanding that that was the rejection that most Jewish boys heard at some point in their life. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Essentially, you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. There's no way that you would be able to emulate me. You're not capable of doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, go home, have children, raise your sons to be a better man than you. Mm. Raise them to be better than you so that maybe they could go be a rabbi, yeah. but you can't, yeah. right? Sorry, you go can't. Go learn your trade. Go learn a trade, right? So- Be fruitful and multiply. With all that understood, right? And, and that kind of rejection, by the way, I was thinking about this, how much the fear of rejection runs the world. Right um, now or? Just in general. Okay. Like pe- people say the top two fears people have is the fear of death and the fear of public speaking. Okay. Mm. Why are people afraid of public speaking? Because they're afraid of mass rejection. They're afraid that you're up there and they're like, this is really scary. This is nerve wracking. And if I don't do well, I'm going to get rejected by all these people at once or increase probability. Maybe they don't all reject me, but there's enough of them out there that maybe one of them does. Mm. Right. And our fear of rejection is deep. Mm -hmm. I would even argue the fear of death plays into the same intrinsic understanding that we have in ourselves that there's accountability for for our our lives. lives. Mm. So when I die, I have a a valid fear of being rejected by my God in my judgment. Right. Um, So I would even say the primary fear most people have is rejection. Mm -hmm. Um, I I taught a study with men, the five uh, things men struggle with. One of them is fear of failure. Mm -hmm. Why are men so afraid to fail? Well, because if a man fails, right, and this is more like 
the realities of men, right, in society. But if a man fails, he's largely rejected by society. Mm-hmm. Um, women reject you, right? Um, bosses reject you. Families have expectations for you. And it becomes like you. a downward spiral mm-hmm. as well. It's very hard to reset um, once, like, if that relationship fails and then you, and then let's say that emotional kind of spirals into like your job and then your job fails and then you take that anger and then you take it out on your family and now your family's it's like it kind of just becomes this like unfortunate spiral if you don't stop it right but but it's that's why there's such a fear for men to fail though right it's 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 rejection based and if you even look at the deepest hurts that people experience from people yeah they're generally rejection based why is adultery so painful the spouse cheats Right, like, why, why does that why does that cut so deep? You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. it's not just like, well, because they were unfaithful, yeah. But why does that hurt? Right? Because there's almost a sense of rejection that's felt there. Yeah. Right. This is why um, men who have such a hard time understanding why why their wives don't like them watching porn, because it's well, from their perspective. You're, you're rejecting me and what I can give you and you have to go find it somewhere else. Yeah. It's a sense of rejection. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. Like all these things, like uh, parents leaving kids, right? Even in the sense of um, divorce, right? But with the kids that are kind of caught in the middle, like there's a sense of rejection they feel in that because mm-hmm. they're not good enough to stay together for, right? Like mm-hmm. there's all these things. And the kids end re- up blaming re- themselves. And they're like, well, like mom left dad because of me. And it's like- no, that, that's why there's like a very deliberate conversation. People who are going through a divorce with children have, this isn't your fault. We're not rejecting you. Right. Like it's a very, I'm just, I guess my point is, is that rejection is a undergirding principle of the reality and the suffering of, of life mm-hmm. that, that generate most people, their fears, their anxieties, their stresses. A lot of that is this rejection, right? Then you look at in a culture of, of first century AD with the Jewish boy, Mm-hmm. And if I wasn't good enough to go be a rabbi, at some point I would have heard, you know Torah, good job, but you can't be my disciple. You need to go raise better men than you. Yeah. Because you're not good enough. Mm-hmm. That's that's the rejection. So I guess what I'm saying is when Jesus is walking along the shoreline, he looks over, why are Peter and Andrew and John and James fishing? Well, why is the son of Zebedee, or why is Zebedee um, that James and John are the son of, why are they fishermen? Because they were told at some point, you're not good enough to continue on. Mm-hmm. Go learn a trade instead, raise better men. Yeah. Right. That's what they were told. Mm-hmm. So that's why they're fishing to begin with. Yep. Right. So, with all that said, right, let's kind of reread um, the target text here because I think now it's going to start. It's no longer a musical. Right. This now makes sense. Yeah. Okay. I, um, I I do want to highlight the difference between their schooling then and our schooling now, because our schooling now is very focused on general education that will make you the best worker in the economy. And so it's like we're teaching you this uh, a wide variety of things over time so that you can find a trade that you're interested in so that you can participate in the economy. Like that's the general purpose of public education, right? Get you out into the workforce so that you can participate in the economy. But back then, and which allows you to have very different ideals and kind of things that are, that you're being driven towards. But here it's like everyone is going into the school with the same end in mind. I need to do as good as I can to hopefully make it all the way to the end to be a rabbi. And if I fail at any point, it's the same rejection. And then you can do anything else with your life, but you know that you failed at the ultimate right. 
ideal that you were the ultimate ideal Yeah, you were going for. And everyone has that same kind of in the back of their head. I'm doing this because I wasn't good enough to be a rabbi. So so imagine, just imagine, right. And this, like imagine a boy who gets rejected just after Torah school, right. They didn't have IEPs and um, special education back then. Like they didn't understand that kids have learning disabilities, right? Like imagine even a 10 year old who maybe be struggling with a learning disability who wants to go be the ideal. Yeah. And instead, like imagine a 10 year old, but take our ideal, right? Take a 10 year old. Like, what do you want to be? I want to be a scientist. Well, son, <laughs> you know, math, but you're not good enough to be a scientist at 10. Go learn a, go learn a trade. Go, go learn to be an electrician. Go do HVAC. Have kids. Right. Raise better, but, but men. raise better men, <laughs> but you need to raise better, better men, men than, than you. you. Because you are not good enough, and right? That's essentially they'll... what they were doing to these kids, right? Yeah. So with that said, let's read it, okay? So Absolutely. Back at Matthew 4, verse 18. So as Rabbi Jesus was walking beside, I added the rabbi just for everybody. <laughs> but as Rabbi Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Mm -hmm. So now you understand you got these boys, they're men, they're men now, um, but these men who are fishermen because they were told they're not good enough. Yeah to be a disciple of a rabbi. Yeah. Mm. I'm comes, fishing because I'm not good enough to be a rabbi. Right. Here comes, and so is their father. Yeah, he's fishing right? because he's not good enough to mm. be so a rabbi. So here comes a, here comes a, a rabbi. Like I'm not big, good enough to be a rabbi. I'm do, Any job that they're doing, right. they're doing it because they weren't good enough to be, to be a, a rabbi. rabbi. So they went and learned a trade. This also makes it a little more... That's so So, so this is going to lead to where, where some of the context... Like we always look at what the radical part of Jesus' ministry was in terms of calling, was drop everything you're doing, come follow me. We're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you... That, that's standard. All rabbis did that. Yeah. What's different, what's radical that we don't appreciate as much is who he was calling to be disciples. Yeah. So when it talks about the tax collectors, when it talks about, right, the yeah. lowest of society, yeah. mm-hmm. he's saying, they were rejected. Come be my disciple. People that probably didn't make it past the 10 year old. What is school. he saying to them? You are good enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So when the, I will make you, like he's saying, I will make you good enough. I'll make you fishes of men. So yeah. when, he's saying, so he's here, not even saying they're good enough. He's saying, I will make you good enough. No, 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 no. So, so let's back up. When Peter and Andrew are there fishing and they see this rabbi give him the rabbinical affirmation, essentially of come, follow me, spread my yoke, which mm. we're going to talk a little more about in a second. When he says, come, follow me, spread my yoke, what every Jewish boy wants to hear, right? Yeah. That they were rejected and they never heard. Here comes a rabbi and says, hey, come follow me, spread my yoke, right? What they are hearing is not just go follow, right, this path, what they're hearing affirmatively, this is the beauty that we miss, but they're hearing initially, you are good enough. Mm-hmm. You yeah. are able, you can be like me. You're capable to do what I need you to do. You are good enough to be my disciple. Yeah. So then you increase that with a knowledge of then who Jesus ultimately proves himself to be over the course wow. of his ministry, over the course of his crucifixion, mm-hmm. his resurrection, his ascension, hearing that rabbi tell you, you are good enough. You are able, you can be like me. You see what I'm saying? 
You see that underlining yeah. beauty that we miss just in that one statement yeah. that they hear. And what's it's even powerful. cooler is when it says, come yeah. follow yeah. me, Jesus said. Now, what a rabbi would generally say, come follow me and spread my yoke. Uh, as he, he did in the, in the previous one, right? In Matthew 11 that we went over. But hold, hold on. Yeah, go ahead. Notice what he says here. He doesn't say spread my yoke. What he says, come follow me and spread my yoke. No. And he says, and I will send you out to fish for people. I'll make you fishers of men. In other words, what he is saying, he's assigning mission and purpose to his yoke. He's like, you're coming in not just to spread my yoke. Here's what my yoke is. And my yoke is that I'm going to be sending you out, right, to spread my yoke. But you're going to be fishers of men. You're going to be bringing men into this. That's what you're going to do. I really feel like I'm kind of like experiencing the epilogue of a, uh, like a, who made Lord of the Rings? Was that Tolson? I forget. See, the musical, it, right? I told you. The musical sorry. and the marriage is going back to yeah. the family. Well, it's, it's, it's because it's, it's, it's this interesting, and I'll just like kind of walk through everything that I'm thinking right now. So you have a society that's built where this ideal is to be a rabbi. Um, this is the highest ideal you can achieve. And you have these men that have gone and through the process to hopefully one day be that ideal and you could you can like place plenty of like shows and movies into this kind of like structure um and they weren't good enough they didn't reach that ideal and they basically were kicked out or dropped out of this school and then you have a someone who has mastered the craft at, at the school and graduated now comes to them and says i will it's like you are good enough follow me and i will make you that ideal and then you go through the entire you know, arc of Jesus's life and he is killed and he goes off and he gives the, the final call to the disciples to go out and be and, witnesses. And, be witnesses. Mm-hmm. and then you see Peter now, it, he's just the example I'm using, but all the disciples are now fulfilling that ideal mm-hmm. that they were rejected from. So if this is like, let's say this is like a the 12 whole, episode the, series, the whole like you, on the tw- end of the 12th episode is Peter telling this this story of how he was rejected and, and then called and the then now he's fulfilling Acts, the ideal that he was right. that felt he was born into and, and not do. just the ideal but yes feeling the ideal the ideal that the society told him he was born to do that but he was rejected he, from that yeah. society rejected him from yeah so it's not just that the world rejected so I think a part of the story right it's not just that the world rejected Jesus it's that the world also rejected the disciples of Jesus mm-hmm. yeah. And now the people that were rejected and said, you aren't good enough are now the ones like in the book of Acts who are now spreading, spreading the gospel. Yeah. His yoke. Yeah. Who are the most What's respected, so, the so most sought after. The John, mo- it's like, oh my John, gosh. John the Baptist, his yoke was repent. Kingdom of heaven is here. Jesus's yoke was the gospel, mm. right? Proven by the resurrection, which was very radical message, right? And the whole book of Acts now is them spreading the yoke of Jesus, yeah. of Rabbi Jesus. That is, that is um, awesome. Like played out. Like it's such a, oh my gosh, I see. It's like a painted tapestry. I can see. And, and I, I think the beauty of it is this, is that because the same call that Christ had for them is the same call he has for every one of us. Yeah. And I think many people, um, either through a sense of self-rejection, a fear that of that same rejection, like, okay, I feel I'm being called to do anything, anything ministry. Maybe it's start serving in the nursery on Sundays to going to be a pastor. Or even just talking to someone at your work or in your family or in your life. But whatever that calling that they're feeling, 
there's almost the same fear of, well, th- what if they reject me? Yeah. Right. And I think like the thing we miss when Jesus it's gives not even you, what if they reject me? It's like, I've been rejected and I don't past, want to right? be rejected again. And what people need to remember is that when Jesus gives you the call, come follow me, wherever mm-hmm. he leads you to follow him, whatever ministry, whatever, right. That may look like. Yeah. He is telling you, but what I'm calling you to do, you are enough. Hmm. You are enough to serve me in, in that position. You are capable. You are able to do this, right? Yeah. You're affirming. He is affirming them, right? So when the rest of the world may say, nope, he's affirming them. He says, I don't really care what they say. What I am telling you is you're enough, mm-hmm. right? That's what they're hearing. That, that, that is the words are come follow me. The message is come follow him because you are capable and enough. And I think that's the same message. And I know I, I don't want to sound like Joel Olstein here, right? Like, but, but that, that is the me- that is what they would have heard as, as a young Jewish boy at some point. I don't know how far Peter went. Yeah, right. He's already married at this point, so he's yeah. probably been out of this for a bit. Um, so like at this particular point, and right, he's also known as generally as the oldest. He was amongst yeah. all the disciples. Most of the other disciples were teenagers. Yeah, for the mo- by our standards, like they were probably between the ages of sixteen and probably 20. Mm-hmm. Peter was the only one who could have been anywhere between 22 up into his thirties, yeah. maybe around the same age as, as Jesus. But, but my point is, is that I think the message for people, if you're struggling with answering a call, whatever, or whatever those next steps may be, because you're feeling maybe insufficient. I'm not smart enough. I'm not biblically literate enough. Maybe I'm not, you know, I'm not quote unquote spiritual enough. Mm-hmm. If you're feeling that call, what he, he's not just calling you to purpose He's telling you, he's calling you to worth. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like you're being called to purpose at the same time being called to worth. Yeah. To carry the, the, the title to- disciple carries the sense of worth that you are enough. You are good enough. You're capable to emulate Christ in all that he does. Yeah. So that's the other thing, okay? Is that it's not just that he, he's showing us the way, right? Mm-hmm. So just as the rabbi would... Uh, notice when Jesus is uh, uh, on the night he's arrested, mm-hmm. he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's praying. What is his? What are his disciples doing? Sleeping. They're praying. Well, they go there to pray with him. Yeah, and then they fell they, asleep. They fall asleep, right? <laughs> Sorry. They're there because they're emulating him, right? Yeah, and but then, then they, they, they kind of got deficient, and he gets angry with them, right? He mm-hmm. comes back, he's like, you can't, you guys can't stay awake. Like, of all the th- times that you were going to emulate me, like, you were following me when I went poop, but you can't stay here and pray with me now, Yeah. right? Like, he gets upset, mm-hmm. right? If you're going to emulate me, emulate me in things that actually matter, mm-hmm. right? He, he's getting kind of, um, cause he's stressed. He's about to get arrested, yeah. right? Yeah. Cause he's angry because they were capable and they were worthy enough to be there with him in the, the yeah. first place. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So for us, the calling yeah, comes no with a sense being... of purpose, a sense of worth, but also an understanding that we can do this. Yeah. But the life Jesus lived, we can live. We're going to mess up obviously. Right. But you just follow his example of what did he do? Well, he prayed a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He did a lot of time in fellowship. He served people. He loved people humbly. When people as a rabbi, right, may the um, may you be covered by the dust of your rabbi, yeah. right? Like that's why the whole sense of washing of the feet. Mm-hmm. Who's washing whose feet if you're following a rabbi into someone's home, right? Like generally it would be the servants or the women of the home but they would go wash the rabbi's feet. Yeah. Right. Then they disciples are watching. He's getting his feet washed. How did he do it? How did he respond? Okay. My turn. Yeah. Right. Oh my God. You can do the exact yeah. same thing. Right. 
So when Jesus comes and turns around and says, no, 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 I'm going to wash your mm-hmm. feet. The rabbi is going to wash your feet as an example. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is that is what is culturally completely different. The people he's calling tax collectors, all those who are rejected, not in a general sense, right? But like in a, like not, it's not, because remember the calling was, you know, Torah, you're not good enough to be my disciple. Go home, raise better men. The rejection was. Right. Yeah. So for you to go be a tax collector is now to go be a worse man <laughs> than you were when you were rejected. Yeah. Right. So it, it is almost a completely, re- it is a full on rejection back. Right. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of what some of those tax collectors, like I'm rejecting them back because of maybe their initial mm-hmm. rejection with Torah. It's like, fine, well, I'll do this. I mean, right. I can see why they were so, the disciples were so devastated too when Jesus died. Um, and we read that they just go back. Well, in hiding, but also some of them go back, and some went back home. to right. do their trade because they lost their rabbi. Right. So I, yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, so that's piece one. The second thing I want to kind of point out though, that there were some disciples who were already disciples of John mm-hmm. and, um, disciples of John the Baptist. I mean, it, it talks about how a lot were leaving John to go be disciples of Jesus. For John the Baptist. Leaving John the Baptist we, to go to Jesus. To go to Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. That was almost never heard of. Mm-hmm. Um, that would have been absolutely humiliating mm-hmm. for John the Baptist. Yeah. That as a rabbi, I have all my disciples, and all my disciples have now left me for another rabbi. And if you remember, like this becomes a thing, but John responds with great humility. He yeah. says... I must become lesser so he could become greater. Mm-hmm. Right. Because that you're talking massive humiliation on the sense of a rabbi on, on in terms yeah. of a ministry sense, right? That's like essentially saying like, um, I'm handing over my entire church over to the, this other church down the street for the sake that they can grow and be better than we are. Right. Yeah. Based off whatever, like th- that is a humiliating thing for, for a rabbi to do. Um, and that's why you start seeing a little bit of John the Baptist out later when he's like, he's in prison, he's kind of feeling down on himself. Mm. Jesus says like, nobody born of a woman is greater than John, Mm. which also is an argument for why maybe John the Baptist was his rabbi because of how highly he speaks of John. Um, But besides the point, um, but when John's down on himself and he says that he sends some of his disciples to go to Jesus. So John still had a, a group of people who were following him. He says, well, go tell them what you've seen and heard. Right. And, and, and because I think part of what John's in prison is like, I just gave up all my disciples and I'm here in prison. Like, I don't see any, like, did I just do this for no reason? Is this an ultimate mm-hmm. humiliation? You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's a lot of emotions loaded behind. Yeah. Cause you don't know how, you don't know how you're going to be remembered. You don't know how people truly see you never really. And he was in prison, not able to see what Jesus was doing. Yeah. He wasn't seeing the healings. He wasn't, yeah. see, you know what I'm saying? So but my point is this is though, is that there's a couple, um, if you remember the calling of Nathan, we did that one episode. Yeah. Remember he goes back and he says, well, I saw you under the fig tree and he's like, surely you're the son of God. Right. I was like, well, what was it? And we're like, do you realize that what Jesus was doing was anchoring out of Zachariah? Mm-hmm. Right. So he's, he was tying a personal situation of Nathan, but also tying it to Zachariah, also tying it to it. Right. Like there's this layered approach of scripture. Yeah. Well, that 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 school midrash 
What Jesus did when he presented that to Nathan hmm. was a technique of Midrash. That, that, that was a technique that somebody who went to the school of Midrash would understand. Nathan did. Well, why did Nathan understand it? Because he had also graduated from the school of Midrash because he had found his rabbi in John the Baptist. Oh, okay. So he already has a rabbi. Mm-hmm. He too has gone to Midrash. And if you remember when he, Jesus shows up, hey, we found the Messiah. Remember we said that at best, he was kind of like an intellectual snob. Mm-hmm. Well, he's an intellectual snob because he has a rabbi already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? He's, and he's gone through all these schools as well. So he knew. He's also a Harvard graduate. Exactly. <laughs> and he already has his rabbi. Like, yeah. I'm not going to leave my rabbi for. So, so he is less apt. So the reason you see Peter and Andrew immediately drop, yeah. Yeah. go follow him. Well, they didn't have a rabbi. They were rejected. They, mm-hmm. In Nathan and Philip's case, they already had a rabbi. So yeah. now you start seeing this hesitancy of, yeah. well, let's have a debate about this. Let's have a midrash about this, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And Jesus gives them a midrash. Yeah. Here we mm-hmm. go. And he's like, but he tied it to a personal thing that could only be revealed by the spirit. So mm-hmm. that's what gets Nathan to be like, you are this, you, you are the Messiah. Like, yeah. the, 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 not only that you were able to tie that, he used a midrash rabbinical technique tied to a personal situation to penetrate the heart mm-hmm. of Nathan, right? So- um, I guess I would say a couple of things is one being called to be a disciple of Christ is one, one, you're expected to be a student. Let's just start there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the reason a rabbi was considered the highest of society um, was because study was considered the highest form of worship. Hmm. Right. So oh, okay. that is the highest form of worship. So if you're going to be serious about being a disciple, a follower of Jesus, mm-hmm. you have to be a student. You have to study. You have to be engaged. Um, right? That makes like, sense. We don't even memorize what they were memorizing to mm-hmm. be a disciple, right? But we so do. The but least we... you can do, and they didn't even have Bibles. Like they, they didn't. Yeah. Have, you know what I mean? They had to go to the synagogue to be able to pull out scrolls to memorize. You have it at your fingertips. You can have it on your phone. Yeah. At the very least, start studying. Don't, don't just read, but study it, right? Go to Bible studies, go get engaged deeper into the word and be a good student, right? The second thing I would say this is um, understand that whatever that calling is, whatever self-doubts you may have about yourself, the very fact that you are called means that you are already considered enough, you're considered worthy, you are considered able to be a disciple. Yeah, you can do it, right? Um, the third thing, which kind of goes in—I don't want to say a deviated point—but a disciple in those days chose their rabbi, and just like the second set of disciples who already had a teacher, who already had a rabbi, mm-hmm. it was John, who was good. He was the most famous rabbi probably in Israel at that time. Yeah, um, you know, Gamaliel was up in—I mean, he was in um, like Turkey, right? Like. Mm. In Israel, in that area, John, they had the most famous rabbi as their teacher. Um, they had to make a decision who the supreme teacher in their life was going to be. Who were they going to be a disciple of? And beyond just being encouraged by the fact that you are enough, that you are worthy, and that you do have an obligation to study, but also making the conscious choice that Jesus is the supreme teacher of your life. What that means is that when you hear all this stuff coming from the world, when you have very smart other modern day Harvard elites, yeah. right, pushing forward all these ideas, 
whether it's gender ideology, sexual ideology, any of that stuff that you want to maybe believe, right? When that conflicts with what Jesus teaches, Mm -hmm. who is your teacher? Who is your supreme teacher? Are you taking the modern Harvard elite? Are you taking Sigmund Freud? Are you taking the philosophy of Nietzsche or Kant or whoever? Or are you taking the teachings of Christ? Yeah. Who is the supreme? Who are you a disciple of? You Because one thing that would have been absolutely ridiculous, right? Why Nathan was so hesitant to initially jump ship was that you can't have two teachers. Yeah. You can't be a disciple of two, two different, different philosophies, two different teachers. Yeah. You, you cannot spread the yoke of two different teachers mm-hmm. or two, two different rabbis. Yeah. You have to choose a yoke. Yeah. So what is the yoke, the worldly yoke, whatever that may be, or the yoke of Christ, which is the gospel? Absolutely. And what yoke do you choose to spread in your in the circles in your life, mm-hmm. right? And many people associate themselves to Christ, but they spread the yoke of someone else, another teacher of mm-hmm. the world. Yeah. And you, you need to really understand to be called a disciple, you're capable, you're worthy, all those things. But you also have to make a choice of whose yoke are you fully 100% bought in on to spread across the circles of your life. So I'll leave it, leave it with this last thing. My hope for everybody, myself included, for this upcoming week, may we all be covered by the dust of our rabbi, who is Jesus, right? Yeah, I love that point. Um, I just wanted to say thank you for painting that tapestry for me because you, you, I think this is one of your best examples of kind of building um, the society and explaining the foundation of the world and the rules and all that um, and then explaining the characters explaining like this is like classic world building like you did a fantastic job with like really good like classic world building um, like if you were going to write a novel like this is a good foundation of how to write good novels because um, you laid out this is the structure of society this is how it's different than the society that we're in now this is the rules that they were playing by um, and this is why that rejection would have hurt so much and why that call would have meant so much and so um, I hope that as you go into the week, you feel that call. And when you do feel like you are called, that you understand how much it really means. So thank you so much for that, Ryan. Yeah. Be blessed and love this week. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to Real Bible Stories. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to leave a review, share, and subscribe to be notified each week when we upload new episodes. Real Bible Stories is produced in partnership with Palm Church in 29 Palms, California. If you would like more information or want to check out archived sermons and Bible studies, please check out the church website at palmsbaptistchurch.com or check them out on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. Real Bible Stories can be found wherever podcasts.